that first 10 years, it was really a lot of that figuring out first seven, five to seven years really, was that figuring out um, that we were wrong and that we really didn't know what we were doing mm -hmm. and that we didn't have a lot of things to rethink. In this episode of the Teach Me How to Love series, we are welcoming Asia Graydon Dantzler of Kindred the Family Soul. Asia has been living out love in the context of long-term relationship for 22 years with her husband, Fatim. Their union has birthed six children and a prolific music career to include six studio albums in the neo-soul R&B genre. Asia breaks down what it has been like to move through those 22 years. She talks about calamity, getting to know the essential being of a person and not just the role that they're in. She shares a bit of her experience in grappling with reimagining the role that roles play. Um, she talks about parenting and then she brings us back into what it, uh, what really is the foundation of all of this, which is loving yourself and how loving yourself applies as a template across the board when it comes to loving other people, especially within the context of romantic partnership and marriage. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. Stay with us. There were 22 things on this list for 22 years of marriage. Asia and Fatin have been married for 22 years. They have six beautifully, like they're beautiful reflections of the two of them together. Asia's daughters are like her all over again. And somehow your son looks like both of y'all, but also you, but then dad, he's with dad. And you because know, he's standing just... next to. <laughs> exactly. Right. Y'all have this beautiful legacy of love that you have you have translated even into music and into storytelling. And, you know, for those who are listening to this, to this playback, please find Kindred the Family Soul, if you have not already, and just let that, those sounds wash over you. The whole reason I have you here, Asia, is because I am curating this conversation or this series of conversations about love in practice. And it's okay. based on, um, it's based on the book by so Bell, that Bell Hooks. Yes. I love. Have that book upstairs. I love about this book that Bell Hooks is, she even complains about the fact that when she starts to have a conversation with folks about love, they automatically, you know, downplay it or don't take her seriously. And she's calling for in this book, a philosophical conversation about what it actually means to love. What is, what is, what can be a definition of love and what does love look like in practice? And not not solely based on this book, but largely inspired by this book, I have I have felt compelled to call in all the people that I look to and that have inspired me in my life, as well as sharing my own stories um, in living out love and what it looks like in practice. And when I thought about marriage, I was like, Asia and Fatin, Fatin got got 22 years and six kids and career and transition. And so, you know, that's almost twice as much as I have going on in mine. And so I definitely thought I have to have Asia come through. And then I read this list you made and I was like, yep, there you, there's the affirmation. Um, in this list, you talk about things like, um, it, you say your partner deserves your compassion, not permission to weaponize their trauma against you. There is a deeply spiritual joy that comes from a collection of inside jokes that evolve into private language. Um, speaking of language, I don't care what your love language is, do stuff together. 
give your partner space to recover from the world for themselves, for you, double that space for women. Friends and family are not the enemy to your partnership. Friends, uh, shitty friends and family are. Get some sleep. <laughs> Sleepy people argue. I mean, it's just, and she goes on and on. You'll have to find Asia. I don't even know. Maybe, are you at friend capacity? You're such a, are you at like. Oh, no, 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 no. You can follow <laughs> me at Kendra the wife. Right. And you I have, have I, people always unfollow me off and on on Facebook. Oh. So I usually have like. That openings. About 30 or so openings on Facebook. Because yeah. occasionally I will say something that will rub the folks the wrong way. I'm not, cons- people assume because I have this, you know, heteronormative and, you know, very quote unquote traditional, whatever that word means, they think I'm conservative. So uh-huh. oftentimes I will say things that will be the opposite of that mm-hmm. and people take their leave. Yeah. So it's okay. That's quite all right. I'm grateful for you. And, and you have so much wisdom that you impart just even just on the, by the way, that's what I love about you too. Cause you're just like, I don't even like, you just, you don't even know half the time, the things that you're saying that are so inspiring and rich. And so tell me, like, just talk to me, talk to me about what you think when you think about love in practice in the context mm-hmm. of, of long-term relationship and marriage and anything else you want to really say, cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so happy that you here, are here to share, um, but just love and practice. And we're, we're really like basing it in the idea of trust, mutual respect and understanding. So mm-hmm. any of that, if anything like spontaneously or intuitively just comes up, feel free to share. Tell me, tell me all. Well, hmm. I think love and practice for me, one of the big classes that I've been in for several years is understanding empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like a lot of times in, in marriage in particular, there is an absence of compassion and empathy. Because I think what happens is we have, we take on marriage like a job. We take mm-hmm. on marriage because people consistently will tell you marriage is hard work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we had to be really kind of clear on the language that we use. And even though I do think that marriage does have, um, like is, is, is something that you have to work at and that you have to be intentional about all those things. I do think we have to shift a little bit of the language around the work part, mm-hmm. because when you start thinking about work, you start thinking about, well, what is my actual job? What's my job description? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm at work. I have a job description. And what mm-hmm. is that job description? And then your relationship becomes this thing, this, this set of responsibilities and not this thing in which you see yourself connected to another human being you're connected to this other role this other role player this Mm -hmm. other this co-worker if you will Mm -hmm. and it's like so to me I'm starting to kind of come into the understanding a better understanding of empathy and compassion as it as it pertains to myself and my partner Mm -hmm. because my husband is a human being and I dehumanized him in many ways that I didn't realize over the years when we became married we're both very young and we definitely were very much obsessed with you know, role-playing and, you know, let's be a family and mm-hmm. what does it mean to be a family? And I'm the mom and you're the dad and we have the mm-hmm. kids and yada, 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 yada. <laughs> and we were really gung-ho about that. You know what I mean? And uh, and it became a trap of sorts because over the years, it's like you learn to congratulate your partner for how well they they meet those those requirements. In that role. And you don't celebrate them for just being a person for just showing up to the job that requires so much of them. 
and what happens to them before they show up for that job and how the world treats them before they interact with you and the different responsibilities around what it is to be in relationship and community with your partner. So that is something that I didn't really fully con- have conceptualized with my husband until much later in life. And really it happened once I began to answer those questions for me, mm-hmm. which is why it's so important to take care of the self. Mm-hmm. Because if you are answering these questions for yourself, I mean, they're going to come up about your partner. If you are saying to yourself, I'm a human being, I'm not a mother, a wife, a so-and-so, you know, that uh, then I'm, I'm just this person, this person with blood and water and hair and skin and yeah. all of this stuff that I'm just that. If, you, if you're looking at yourself this way, then you're going to look at your partner that way. And you're going to look at your children that way. Because they're, they're another part of that. They also learn how to play roles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Children are, are very clear on what their role is. Mm-hmm. They figure out what they're, what they're supposed to say, what they're supposed to not say. They watch how you respond, mm-hmm. how you don't respond. Yeah. And they got you clocked. If anybody ever had you clocked, it's your kid. <laughs> your kid got you fully <laughs> clocked. You feel me? Your kid is like, your kid is like, hey. Yeah. I know all about you, sis. Yeah. I know all about you. I got you. Right. In the pocket. I think right. you got your kid clocked. Your kid got you clocked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me. It's true. You're, you're talking about, I hear you talk, you're touching on all the points, but what I hear most, what strikes me the most is this idea of intimacy, especially when you're talking about your husband. So it's like this thing that transcends the title, husband, wife, child, you know, whatever it is, these people mm-hmm. are actual humans and being able to find that bridge that, that goes over the role and still somehow connects, knowing each other as people first. Right. Yeah. And you said it with Bell Hooks in terms of like this philosophical question, yeah. these questions of knowing. And even if you get into the questions of knowing, right, how does one know a thing? And then you talk about us as black people mm-hmm. and what are our standards of knowing mm-hmm. and what are the standards that we've been taught are the standards of knowing. Mm-hmm. And we know that the things that we've been taught, and of course, you know this more than anybody else because of the way you've chosen to educate your children and the way you've chosen to design your life. <laughs> you know, uh, and so that that whole thing is that, that that way of rejecting even those things that are indoctrinated in us about what it means to know and be aware, you know, and what intimacy means and what that what that's about. Mm-hmm. And all of these structures that we deal with within marriage, within family, all the things that we've been taught and indoctrinated into from the moment that we've gotten here are things that haven't really served us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that there's not some things in it in which we've found to serve us but they just kind of don't really serve us. And we really look at it. They really don't. Like mm-hmm. I told my husband this the other day, the things that we've learned to reject over time, these roles, we look back on and try to figure out, well, when did that, when did, when did that setup really serve us? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. But it never did. And, Cause we never asked ourselves the question, did it serve us? We right. just became married and we slid into the roles because we knew or felt that we knew that felt that we knew Mm-hmm. that that was what marriage was that is what family is this is how a wife acts this is how a husband acts this is how we do this mm-hmm. and we didn't know those things for ourselves we never asked ourselves anything philosophically about what love meant to us or how was love going to look to us or anything like that 
And maybe maybe people who've come after us are entering into marriage in these ways. And thank God they are, because I think they're learning from the many mistakes that we've made. Mm -hmm. But the healing that has to happen between particularly people, Black people in partnership with each other is just new. It's very young. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, we're talking about the end of slavery is less than 150 years old, less than four generations out. And so we're fixing and mending things that take time to fix and mend. You're right. You're right. I, I say this all the so time. There's a patience. That's yeah. Me. Patience. The, the idea of therapy becoming this thing that I feel like in my generation and in the generation, maybe on the tail of the generation before me, people is becoming normalized. This idea of sitting down on a couch with someone and having a conversation and really doing your work. Like, I don't know that I grew up with it being something that was, that was becoming an idea, a concept, a practice that, that society is encouraging and accepting as being normal and necessary and not just this thing that is like, oh, something's wrong with you if you're going to therapy and we're just shoving everything under the rug that needs help, therapeutic support, that you need therapeutic support with. So when you think about that in the context of you know, long-term relationships and marriages and people unfolding over time to themselves and then in partnership with these other people, you know, what does it look like or what has it, or what are your thoughts? What has it looked like? Do you think, or would you say for you over time to, to do this unfolding and to come to a more conscious understanding of what, what it is to live out love in, in the context of marriage? Well, it looks ugly. Yes, messy. <laughs> right. <laughs> y'all can't nice. see Asian's face. So I wish y'all could see her face. Yeah. It's not, not yeah. fun. It can be, yeah, yeah messy. It's not fun. I mean, it's it's very ugly because it requires the cleaning out of things. You know what I mean? And yes, you know, who who hasn't cleaned a stove or refrigerator or a closet or mm-hmm. junk drawer or any number of things that you have to go in and take all of the shit out? Yep. And then organize it, and then throw stuff away, mm-hmm. and then sift through what's left. And, you know, and then once you organize that stuff that's left, you put it back. But then there's months later, as you go back to use those things and you have to reassess and say, okay, what of this haven't I used in a few months that I thought I needed two months ago when I put it back in the closet and now I don't need it anymore. Mm. Um, so it looked like that for me. Yeah, it really did. I, I got married young mm-hmm. and I came, my parents were divorced. My mother was, in retrospect, a really progressive person, although Mm -hmm. she wouldn't have described herself as that. My mother went to therapy. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. My mother um, championed me going to therapy. And then as a teenager, my mother knew to call what was going on with me depression. She Mm -hmm. wasn't at all disillusioned by what that was. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also went to a primary school in which my school counselor was a Black woman. And I spent a lot of time sitting in her office as a little girl when my parents were getting divorced and different things were happening in my life that were, you know, turning my life upside down. And so I leaned on that a lot. Mm -hmm. So I had an unusual growing up in the, in the eighties and nineties at a time. Wow. You had, yeah, you had a black therapist in your life as a young child. 
as a young child. And these are things that I, at the time, I obviously don't know this is a big deal. Yeah. Until I got older. But again, and made many mistakes, even though that still was the case. So that's, that's the funny part. Still right. did hella dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. Still was messy, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the nature of trauma and life and everything. Absolutely. So you can't always think that having the presence of these things thinks that then you're going to have a whole bunch of perfect people walking around because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's not going to happen like that. Yeah. Now, a lot of imperfect people who do feel loved, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, in general. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I got married very young, so I wasn't really prepared and I was very much um, buying into a lot of roles and wanting to be this kind of, you know, in, in, uh, gosh, together. Mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. you know whatever I thought together was yeah um and having children broke that down you know I got I had my son and immediately it was like oh no sis uh this ain't gonna be easy <laughs> and then my husband my husband was young also and he didn't really know what to do outside of just providing and doing what he thought what he was taught he was supposed to do. And I needed things from him emotionally. I needed things from him and I didn't have the language. So that first five to seven years was us battling because we didn't, I didn't have the language to tell him what I needed. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have the background to even know that I would ever need those things. We were lost believe it or not. And even in our lostness, and it also let me know something that you can be fundamentally lost and still have the seed of something really great and phenomenal working between you. Yes. Yes. And that, that, that was what saved us. was that we had, um, a, 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 a common passion and goal and connection that, was the foundation and while we thought that other stuff was the foundation it it wasn't Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we just allowed those things to switch places Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there was a there was a part of us that felt that the love and the connection part and the the kismet of it all that that was the sprinkle Mm -hmm. but that wasn't the sprinkle that was actually the base that was it the other stuff was the sprinkle and so that first 10 years it was really a lot of that figuring out for seven, five to seven years, really, was that figuring out um, that we were wrong and that we really didn't know what we were doing mm-hmm. and that we didn't have a lot of things to rethink. And in the meantime, we had children and then we had we had a child and then we had another kid and then we had another child. And um, it, it brings to mind the definition that Bell Hooks uses in her book where she says love is, she says that love is extending yourself for the good of another person's soul's growth or your soul's growth. So extending yourself for, for the, the maturation of the soul and spirit of another person, as well as your own. Do you think that that applies? Can, is that something that you would say is true for what began to happen at that point? Whatever point at which you all were like, we were wrong about this. Let's, and not even that, I'm not even, you know, proposing to say that it was that conscious or that, you know, that kind of moment, but just at whatever point you decided to do something different or to build something new, would you say that that application, that, that, that definition of love could apply that you begin to extend yourselves? What did it look like 
to like build and 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 redo this thing or or improve mm-hmm. it or elevate it or how what would you what would you call it how would you describe well, it well i i agree with bell hooks mm-hmm. i and um yes that is true and yes we did come to that conclusion to a degree mm-hmm. and we're, we're still i think creating the partnership based mm-hmm. on that yeah so that's that's still happening yeah yeah yes so that's still happening and um yeah, it's, I just think it just requires some maturity. A lot. <laughs> it also requires some calamity. Uh-huh. Mess. Um, I think life has to happen on the outside of your relationship oftentimes to bring up that real moment of extending yourself in a real way mm-hmm. for the healing or, or the, the kind of spiritual and, 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 that soul work with Mm -hmm. another person Mm -hmm. you have to be humbled Mm -hmm. and nothing humbles you like a calamity so you know I think that he and I had a really good understanding about 85 percent of how we interacted with each other Mm -hmm. but there was a 15 percent that we had not really addressed and it was an important chunk Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until my mother passed away that that's what did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It pulled all of that last little bit of that commitment to another person and their growth. Mm-hmm. That part of the love, that that part really came out then. Are you enjoying this conversation? To unlock this episode and hear it in its entirety, as well as hearing all of the other interviews in the Teach Me How to Love series, again, in their entirety, visit www.yolandajonescreative.com and click on the link for Teach Me How to Love Premium Access. With Premium Access, not only will you be able to hear all of the interviews without interruption, but you'll also be able to access deepening exercises that will support you in building your love as a practice. You'll also have an invitation to join our online Facebook community so that you can connect with folks who are interested and invested in doing the same kind of work that you'll be doing there. Now back to our presentation. Because I had still been so entrenched in my role. As much as I knew that we had moved past it, you know, patriarchy is strong. It's a, it's a powerful drug. And I wasn't quite out of that. And so when I got, when I, when my mother passed away, I didn't have any more energy. I had nothing to give. Mm-hmm. And that required that moment for him to step outside of himself and give me what he had mm-hmm. in ways that he had not been required to before the calamity. I and I would say my calamity has been 2020. I have had to step out of my, I had to to do the same thing that I needed him to do two years ago when my mother died is what he's had, I've had to do for him in this year, in these circumstances. So that's why I think that's, that's the difference, I think, between the realization that you have to love a certain way and the practice. Mm -hmm. I think the practice comes after the calamity. Mm -hmm. That's why you'll hear some, you you hear some couples say, "Oh, um, my affair saved my marriage," mm-hmm. right? And I've heard this multiple times. Like yeah. I've heard this from many, many couples. Yeah. And 
I understand what that means. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's the squeezing. I call it the breaking open. You know, it, it breaks your couple open, the calamity, whatever it is, it, it, you know, be right. it there, be it, you know, someone gets really, really sick, be it the loss of, you know, a parent figure or a child or something, it breaks it, it either like over time, these calamities come and some of them are small and then some of them are, you know, small and, but significant. And they just, they, they make these cracks and then the breaking open, right. <laughs> is when everything is laid bare and you really have no choice, but yeah to heal yourself and then to figure out well what in the world is going to happen with couple will there be couple and then you have to you have to bring the strong work in at that point I think that's been my experience and that's been you know what I hear a lot of people saying as well and the thing what I think I hear you saying too that you know when yeah. when when you're squeezed when you're in the squeeze and my mother that reminds in me of the squeeze yeah she's she's like everything in you is gonna come out you know the good and the bad when you're in that squeezing um, and maybe and maybe my little bit of love to everybody is to say when you get to the squeeze don't fear it mm -hmm. if you're going to take something from us take that moment to recognize it for what it is when it's happening mm -hmm. and you're like that doesn't mean it ain't gonna that, that doesn't mean it ain't gonna feel like shit it, it will still feel like that but at the very least you can have some sense of comfort in knowing that you will not go through it without pulling the things up that's right and that there is a healing on the other side yeah. so yeah so if you're listening to it i would say that you know if you're in the middle of it or you you know encounter it down the line just know what you're looking at mm -hmm, mm -hmm. look at it as an opportunity yeah absolutely absolutely And then that, that brings us then to, so I don't know, and maybe this is a lot to go into, maybe not, but the differentiating between how to navigate through that squeeze when it is actually something that is, well, I guess you can't know until you get to the other side of it, but hightailing it out of there when you're in a squeeze situation, right? Oh yeah. When it's necessary for you to be like, oh, well, you know what I'm going to do? Get my coat and my hat right. and be done. <laughs> well, I think it's hard to say, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think it's different for all, but there are some baselines. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's physical safety, Absolutely. which is a hard, hard, hard line. Absolutely. There's physical safety, which is a hard line, but there's also mental safety, which is a lot harder sometimes to detect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why space is important. Mm -hmm. And a person who is stable will allow you space without harming you mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or vilifying you. Mental abuse is a hard thing to, 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 to put your finger on and it's a hard thing to walk away from because it's really tricky yeah. <laughs> and manipulative you know um and i'm and i'm not an expert and i'm not a doctor and i don't want to give any advice on that that might cause any person to stay in that moment any a second longer than mm -hmm. they should mm -hmm. um but i definitely think that um you got to continually ask your questions 
to yourself Mm -hmm. about how you feel after interacting with your person. Absolutely. If after you interact with your person, you feel like something on the bottom of a shoe, then that's a very clear Mm -hmm. baseline for you. Absolutely. And don't ignore it. If you're consistently thinking you're to blame for the reason why you feel like that, that's another big thing. It's like, well, if if you walk away, you feel like, oh, this is because of me, or I did something. If that's your always your Mm go-to, then that's, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, But again, when we talked about therapy and about really kind of investing in um, the love that you give yourself, that that is so important and and that that process will help you to differentiate between what kind of, you know, break open you're dealing with there. Is it the one in which you will stay present or is it the one that you have to abandon? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, I was, I mean, I can't help but think about my own story and and that's, that's uh, coming up in this series as well. But I know in my own life as, as myself and my husband partner at times in my life, person at times in my life, you know, who wasn't, it just became my husband again, <laughs> and you, you know, in the last several years, but, you know, over the course of the, the years that Will and I have been married, and, you know, now we're very unapologetic and public about saying we're in our second marriage. For us, mm-hmm. it is a completely new thing, and mm-hmm. in the in-between time, there were definitely all separation in all kinds of iterations. There were, there yeah. were different residence separations, there were different rooms in the house separations, there were different, you know, there were different everything was different um but because there was so much that was coming to the surface and it needed to to unfold and we were navigating is this going to work is it not going to work is this what we want is this you know and trying to really be mindful and conscious about it and at the same time honoring our individual selves in the process and you know but that's so brave yeah you know that's so brave that's so um true that, that, that's 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 truth is what that is like a bunch of people telling each other and themselves the truth yeah you know yeah you have to really kind of what's the new thing everybody says normalize yeah normalize telling the truth to yourself right. and to <laughs> other people because you get yourself in a real bad situation like that mm-hmm. you know in every way not that's just true. in a relationship every but everything is a relationship mm-hmm. amen it's true. It's true. And we keep coming back to the self, which is, you know, I feel like I think that this is the, an undercurrent, this awareness of the self and being mm-hmm. able to really truly know how and know yourself well so that you can show up authentically. You know, when when you say you have intention towards a person or a thing, you can truly know it when you know yourself and you can you can know where that's coming from versus mm-hmm. It's just something that you're taught to say based on societal norms or taught to do based on societal norms. Like it's, it's really in you. It's what you have consciously decided and what you're living out. So yeah. that honesty piece. And it is hard to be honest with yourself because you just know where you're going to learn that from. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't, who's going to tell you to do it? Really? Who's going to tell you to do it really though? You start out as a child and in a, in, in a relationship with your parent who is not interested in the truth of how you feel. They are interested in keeping you alive, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And for many of us are just like raised like that. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't, I don't want to hear about what, what you want. 
and that that's actually like the 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 basis for their parenting like this is a a structural part of their parenting is your opinion and what affect what's affecting you is not a part of this conversation the conversation is i need you to do exactly as i say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and trust everything that i say Mm. yeah and that is the, the 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 pillar of black parenting for a long time and it there is you know there's you know context <laughs> there's Bible like my mother will say all the time you gotta respond to what I say immediately because you have no idea when I'm saving your life yeah we have no idea so do not question me because you don't know what it is I'm trying to do here mm-hmm. and I ain't got always time to tell you Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it immediately makes makes me think about raising my kids and how how we find we're trying to find. There's this dance between we don't want to do the same thing, we don't want to raise our kids the same way that you describe, and we also need them to know we're still in the space where you yeah. need me to. I need to you you when you hear me say you know yep. stop when you hear me say don't cross right there you need to stop on a dime and not ask me a bunch of questions right now yes. but we also want them to be comfortable and confident asking questions like it's it's like is the it's the constant which uh, is the real which which points to the reality that what we are doing is a new thing it's so new yeah and what gives us the opportunity to then say to ourselves okay have some empathy and compassion Mm-hmm. for yourself as a mate and parent because what you are doing is a new thing what you are doing is taking whatever whatever whoever planted the seed in you mm-hmm. to do different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're you're designing that on the fly yes <laughs> <laughs> you know that's hard like yeah. yay for me yay for you because oh, exactly that's really tough that's really tough and yay to anyone that's out there doing that because you're doing serious, serious work. You're doing legacy work. Yes. <clears throat> yes. I love that word. I, that is, I love it because that's truly what it is. It's, it's this undoing. It is this honoring where you came from and knowing that it brought you to where you are and then deciding, okay, how can we take these, these, this good foundation, the strong roots, um, release what isn't serving us anymore and build something rejuvenate you know expand into something live into something that is much more liberatory much more empowering you know and there will be things that you will miss yeah because and i want to say there are mm, significant things that you will miss Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think oftentimes in our relationships and our love relationships whether they be with children or with friends or with partner um that oftentimes we think there's a way to avoid a major misstep or a major mistake or not even mistake but just a major uh, omit something that is structural and important Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i think that that's unavoidable to a degree and I'm starting to understand that so much. And that those things that I feel are structural are things that probably never were going to come from us anyway. You know, um, there's a certain, I, I, I'll make myself clear. 
safety. Like even when we're talking about loving on children and providing safety, mm-hmm. you and I both know, come on. Like yeah. if, if we didn't know before 2020, we know now that it is our job to keep them safe, keep them mm-hmm. safe, keep them mm-hmm. safe, keep them mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. There's an element of safety that we will never be able to provide. Absolutely. And so there's, there's that. So you have to come to terms with the things that will never come from you. That's the right. thing that your love will never provide. Yes. The, the very important, some, and these are things that are like not minor things. Absolutely. That there are things that love cannot provide. And there's so much grief. That your love cannot pr- provide. And the grief that comes with that, you know, there's a, in the awareness of it, in the awareness of, yeah, this is this thing I cannot do for my child. And there's a powerlessness in it. And then there's, there's grief in it. And then you, you have to come to a place of acceptance, which is, which, you know, makes me think about this idea of respect, mutual respect. What are you respecting? You're respecting the unfolding of it all. You know, you're understanding what it is. I'm trying to, so like the idea of, you know, understanding and embracing our limitations Mm -hmm. as people and still extending what we can. You know, oh yeah based on what we understand but then at some point having the having to respect that this other person is making their journey and i'm making mine and we're journeying. oh yeah i mean boundaries and and having respect we, we always we keep coming back to this when you when you when you implement these things for you you get it, it you have the blueprint yeah and you can implement them for others when yeah. you're clear on what you can do and what you cannot Mm-hmm. What you choose to do, what you choose mm-hmm. not to do. Mm-hmm. When you're clear on your capabilities and your and and what your the scope of your work is, then you can go into a relationship and community with other people because then you're clear on what it is that needs to be said and done. And then whatever it is they cannot do in return, you can say, "Oh, well, that's just not something that's on their list." Yeah. And then you can just say, "Okay, well, does this space work for me?" Yes. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to stay put. Mm-hmm. Does this, does this work for me? Mm, no, let me do an audit. Let me You're figure right. out if this is where I want to stay. That works everywhere. Yes. That works everywhere. Quincy, Quincy <laughs> Jones, Quincy Jones used to say, they like, how did you, how did you, you you've been a producer. You've been a, 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 um, a composer. You've been a musician. You've been a television producer, movie, you know, movies, uh, magazines, music. The whole, how did you do all of that? How did you master all that? And Quincy Jones said, the pathway to mastery is the same. If you master a single thing, then you understand the pathway to mastery and you take that same pathway in everything you do. So the pathway to mastery is never different. It's just what you apply it to. The key is to master the one thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so in, in life, then it's mastering the self, mastering how knowing yourself at a mastery level, that pathway is the same everywhere you go. Someone came up to you and said, Asia, te- teach me how to love. Like, what, what te- teach me how to love in my long-term partnership and in my marriage. What are, what are, the, what are the best practices? And I feel like knowing you, I, I always imagine you to be like, I, I can't be the one to tell you that. Like, <laughs> I can't. Oh, God. 
I'm like, please don't put that response. I know. But what you. Oh, but she did answer. She did answer. And here is just a snippet of what she had to say. If you can't say it to you, if you can't open up your mouth and say the words in the privacy of your own space alone, who who, who else is going to know? It, it becomes your ugly secret. It becomes this thing that you hold to your chest. And that's who you are. You're ultimately hating yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Asia goes in. In order to hear her complete response, her complete answer to the question that I've just asked her, that direct question, teach me how to love my partner. What do I do? What do I do in order to do it well? She answers it. And there's also a lot more to this episode, including Asia singing for us. She's playing around, but she is singing, which I am so excited about. It's such a treat. Um, And so if you want to hear that, as well as all of the uh, interview without any interruptions, you need to gain access that is premium. So premium access to the Teach Me How to Love series is available at www.yolandajonescreative.com. When you sign up, you not only get access to Asia's complete uninterrupted interview in its entirety, but you also hear all of the uninterrupted episodes of this series. We are talking to some exciting people and you don't want to miss all of the goodness that we are unpacking as we are learning how to love well ourselves, our partners, our children, our community, our parents as they are aging and we are aging, um, and the planet. And so again, find more information at www.yolandajonescreative.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Y-O-L-O-N-D-A underscore J. You can find all of Asia's information in these show notes, as well as leave a voice message for us there. Find the link in the show notes. And I hope that this uh, listening has supported you and I will look forward to connecting with you in some space at some time soon. Uh, Maybe we'll see you in the private Facebook group in the Teach Me How to Love series Premium Access Collective. All right. Take good care. Great peace.